We're continuing this morning in our sermon series, Read, Pray, Love Daily. We're looking at the text for many of us that we've been reading throughout the week in our three-year Bible reading uh, program. And so we're going back to last Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon's reading from Acts 15 on this day, Pentecost Sunday. This morning, uh, when I was here early to, to prepare and to pray over this message, I received a text uh, from my mother. And that was a little unusual that early in the morning for her to connect with me, so I got a little worried and I, I clicked it. It wasn't actually a text, it was a, a video link, and I clicked it, and it was for a big wheel commercial. I'm a kid of the 1970s, so you bet I watched that whole 30-second commercial of a big wheel. But what I noticed was not the big wheel. I noticed that the kids on that big wheel rode by a playground, and there was a swing set It wasn't even over grass. It was just over nothing but dirt and rocks. And then right on the edge of the swing set was concrete. Now listen, if you're getting off a swing set, you don't wait for the swing to slow down. Am I right? How do you get off a swing set? You're jumping from that bad boy. That's right. This is 1970s. How do you get off a swing set? You land on concrete. It's dangerous to be a kid. And on this day, we're we're reminded, confronted, It's dangerous to be a follower of Christ and to be led by the Spirit. It's dangerous, wild stuff that the Spirit desires to do with us, in us, and through us. And so this morning, if you remember this, I mentioned it briefly last week. We're at the Jerusalem Council. They've gathered together. How is it these Gentiles, these uncircumcised people, can have the Holy Spirit? How can that, how can that happen? Peter, if, you remember, if you've been reading along, he can't stop talking about it. You even have at one point, Paul's already said, I'm just going to the Gentiles. I'm fed up with y'all. I'm just going to, to them. And they've come back. What are we to do? Can just anybody be saved? So you have this argument. And how is it they figure out what they ought to do about this pressing issue? Well, certainly they look to Scripture. That's always the first answer. You see them routinely turn to Scripture. Every time, even in these impromptu speeches of Stephen or Peter or Paul, they're just quoting passage after passage of the Old Testament. Here's what God has said to us. So we always turn to the Scripture. But how else is it that we can know what it is that God wants for us. So if you're following along in your notes, that first reminder there that we get from Acts 15 is we're seeing that our God's a God who clearly shares his desire and his will with his people. We see here the will of God's heart for his people in all of these scriptures. And, and it's, it's his will, seeing in every one of these, that he wants us to be filled It's almost every chapter, Acts 1 all the way through 15 to where we are. It's just verse after verse, reminder after reminder, this is God's will for his people. And there's 50,000 things that the Lord wants to do, but this seems to be his primary will in this book, that he would come and be with and on and in his people. Lead them? Yes. You see that a lot, not as much as this. To share with them the gifts of the Spirit? You see that a lot, especially on Pentecost Sunday, but not as much as this. You see him, as Luke says in 13, he, 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 by, well, let me just say, by this point, it's as though Luke even stops speaking about it for the second half of Acts. Because I, I'm just thinking he assumes we know that. 
Because verse after verse, and you see them all here. They were filled, they were filled, he was filled. And hopefully by this point you get it. Somebody handed me a book called This, this Present Darkness when I was a freshman in college. And it just happened that my roommate had moved out uh, my spring semester, so I had a dorm room all by myself. Don't read that book if you're all by yourself. It's a, it's a fictional book, but it's Frank Peretti's best guess. Some of it I like, some of it's a little questionable, but uh, it's about spiritual warfare. What might spiritual warfare really look like if Paul says in Ephesians, we saw the principalities of the air. So it's this present darkness, and the next book is piercing the darkness, but all these crazy things of angelic forces and demonic forces... And then his next book I picked up immediately, and it was called Prophet. Couldn't wait to dive into that book. I opened it up. It's about this, I think, a newspaper guy. It's been 20, 30 years since I read it. But of a newspaper guy, no angels, no wild stuff of the principalities of the air, just a story. Why? I think he's wanting us to understand you're not going to see it. It's not going to be before your eyes. But understand, on every page of my new book, it's there. But as a Christian, you've just got to know that it's there. And so you check your prayer life. You routinely are on your face in worship and in prayer. You're reading the Scriptures because all that is going on. He wants you to assume that it's there and to see it for yourself. So I wonder if Paul's, I mean, Luke's at that point as he's in in this reporting in in Acts. I'm not going to say it every time somebody felt it. I just want you to get it and understand what happens in Luke 15 and on. It's all because of filling. And that's the will of God. That's the heart of God that we see throughout the book of Acts. It's what we celebrate on Pentecost Sunday. His desire is to be in and to fill. Now the question comes to us, how is it I'm opening my life? We have the, we believe in Christ, as Renee's remind us, we have the Holy Spirit. But how is it I need to yield my life, open my life uh, for his filling, to be available to do that? It's on almost every page of the first half of Acts. He wants to come and to fill. That's his will. And then after we see the will of God's heart, then we begin and can see the work of his Holy Spirit. His desire is to be in and to fill. And then throughout these passages, you see even beginning with with Jesus' words, we begin to see his work. And again, you see all kinds of the work of the Spirit here. The gifts of the Spirit, tongues, prophecy. You see the Spirit even be tested. You see the Spirit's work here in chapter 15. We'll get to that. But even in 16, he blocks the disciples from going to Asia. You see him standing as a witness at some point. Later in Acts, you see him showing how the church ought to oversee itself. Unity, generosity, hospitality, none of that happens without the Spirit in the book of Acts. But what is, if you do the math, and I'm a liberal arts major, I don't like to do math, but if you do the math, What is it you see that's routine and primary for the Holy Spirit? (coughs) Verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. This is a book of healings and signs and wonders. But the primary role of the Holy Spirit, as we see here in Acts, he speaks. He reveals. He shows the will of God and he shows Jesus to other people. It seems to be the main thing because it's on every page. Just quickly following these. Acts 1-2, it was by the Holy Spirit that Jesus said these things. Now think about that for a minute. We've already seen in the beginning of Luke in Jesus' public ministry, he was led by the Spirit on a couple of occasions. Now you've got him after resurrection, 
the king of kings, the one who is the resurrection life, who's defeated death, and he says, you know what? When I speak, I'm going to speak by the Holy Spirit, not me. It's amazing, the beauty of our Savior, deferring, his life of deferring to the leading of the Holy Spirit in his public ministry and even after his cross and resurrection, that humility in him, that yielding of his life in that way. And it comes to me, and maybe it comes to you today, can I do that? How do I need to do that? To defer my life with my family, at work, in my friendships, in my groups. Can I be that kind of humble leader where I defer? It's by the Holy Spirit that Jesus speaks in Acts 1-2. Acts 2-4, it's the Spirit who gave them utterance to speak to one another. Acts 6-10, he's speaking through Stephen. Acts 8, he talks to Philip. Acts 10, he talks to Peter. Acts 13, he speaks to several teachers and prophets. Here in Acts 15, he shares the will with his will with the Jerusalem council. Acts 20, he testifies to Paul. Acts 21, he keeps telling Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Acts 21, Paul reports the Spirit has said some other things. Speaks, he speaks, he speaks. Do we expect that? Are you looking for that? at every moment, because it's on every page of Acts, that when the Spirit comes and when He fills, He speaks. You know those people in your family, at work, in your social circles, not at this church, but in other churches, that when they walk up, oh, this is going to be a hurricane of words for about 20 minutes. Go ahead, bring it. Bring it. And they just won't stop talking, right? You know it's coming when you see that person. Oh, and they're going to talk about their grandkids, or they're going to talk about their kid, or they're going to talk about their sports team, and it's not going to stop. It's the Holy Spirit in Acts. It's the Holy Spirit today. He won't stop speaking. And what's, what's, again, beautiful about the Spirit is, here he is, the third person of the Holy Trinity, What we have testified and affirmed together in our creed this morning is that he is the Lord. He is the giver of life. Like the Father and the Son, he is to be worshipped and glorified. God himself, the third person, and he never talks about himself. So maybe that's why we don't expect it, because he's never puffing himself up. Love never puffs up itself, as 1 Corinthians 13 would say. So he never talks about himself. Maybe that's why we don't think about that, or maybe we think he wouldn't speak to us. You've had some struggles this week, or you don't feel you're well-equipped to do ministry. Why would God show up and speak? Have you read the kind of people that the Holy Spirit talks to in the book of Acts? People with all kinds of theological messes. People who have stood and watched other people be murdered. And he speaks to them. He he brings them to Christ, and then he speaks to them. There's no reason for us to think the Spirit would not speak to us. And then thirdly, maybe we're just not listening well enough. Maybe in our prayer life we're not taking the time. Are you taking the time in your prayer life to say, God, what do you have for me today? What, What would you want me to see? What would you want me to see about you? What do you want me to see about me? Or in our in our time of scripture reading. We racing through it to get that done, or do we start, as Ben helps us in this three-year reading plan, are we starting with prayer and saying, Lord, would you show up? I need your spirit to be able to see what I need to see so I can rightly respond. Are we taking the time to listen? Because he is breaking in everywhere in 
Acts. Our staff meeting this past Tuesday, one of our staff uh, people shared this prayer. We know that your spirit speaks with us on a daily basis. Today, Lori had our choir sing that the Holy Spirit speaks. I've got the easiest job in the world. My staff write my sermons for me. This is amazing. Understanding that reality that God himself comes to us, not just to fill, but he wants to speak. You open to that? I can get us being nervous about that. John Wesley even broke with people that if that's all they have is the Holy Spirit, he broke broke from those folks. You need more than that. You need to always check. As you see throughout Acts, these, these leaders do. They check with Scripture. That's always primary. They check with Scripture. They check with what, what, what the church has always said about God, with church history. And they check with each other. You see that in this passage in verse 22, 25, 28. It seemed good to us. We reason together. So when the Spirit speaks, yes, you check it with the, the Scriptures. You check it with church history. You check it with other faithful uh, believers. But how are we listening? How are we listening not only in our private prayer time and study time, but through circumstances? I stand before you confessing I have blown it. There have been times where the nudging or the leading or the speaking of the Holy Spirit said, Barry, don't say a word here. I went ahead and said it. Just think, I wrote it off as, well, that's just me. The Holy Spirit was right. should have been quiet. There have been times where the Holy Spirit said, this opportunity is going to come up, and I just thought it was me. And I missed things because I wasn't expecting the Holy Spirit to show up. You do the math here, and he is always talking. Through Scripture, yes, through the church, yes, through uh, a prayer, and also through people. Sarah and I have attended several marriage conferences over the years. It's always important to never stop learning. How is it I'm to parent? How is it I can glorify God through my work. I always want to be learning there. How is it I can do life better with my spouse? Always want to be learning and growing. That's part of discipleship. And one of the first conferences we went to, I remember somebody from the conference saying, have you ever thought about what God might want to say to you through your spouse? I mean, in reality, after a few years of marriage, they know you than anybody else. They know you better than anybody else on the planet. So why wouldn't God take this person? If you're not going to listen to him, in a, in, a, in a word of maybe correction, but just as importantly, a word of affirmation and encouragement. Where you're beating yourself up and you won't let God's grace into your life to heal something or to speak a word of kindness or encouragement. Why won't you let your spouse or a friend or a coworker speak to let the church speak to you? Now, don't you dare misuse that. Some of you are going to go home today on a day of rest and worship and tell your spouse, God told me to tell you to clean this garage. You know, so don't misuse that. The Spirit's always speaking. How is it we are listening and expecting that? And then lastly, throughout Acts and here, especially in 15, we see the words of God's people. We see His will, we see His work, and now we see His words in and through God's people. I'll be honest, I didn't see this pattern until studying for this sermon this week. I didn't see it as clearly or as sharply, but when you watch and just look through all those passages of people who have been filled 
what happens next in their life. And typically, once the Holy Spirit has come and filled them and spoken to them, it's then that you see those people step out and speak. Once the Spirit has come, once the Spirit has spoken, oh, how, how important it is, church, then, to follow his leading and to speak. Just follow these very quickly. Acts 2, two different places. The disciples are filled. Peter's filled. And what does Peter do? He declares to the crowd. Acts 4, he's full of the Spirit, Peter, and so he speaks to the rulers, elders, and scribes. Later in chapter 4, by the Spirit, David. Even David spoke by the Spirit. Acts 4, 31, disciples are filled. They begin to speak the Word of God with boldness. Acts 6, by the Spirit, Stephen speaks. Acts 7, Spirit is filled. Uh, Stephen is filled with, filled with the Spirit, and he speaks to the council. Chapter 11, Agabus speaks by prophecy. How? By the Spirit. Acts 13, Paul is filled, and then he speaks. 19.6, the disciples of John the Baptist are actually understanding the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they start speaking in tongues and in prophecy. Filled, and then we speak. And if you do a good study on this, it's all kinds of speaking. It's not just gospel. Some of it's tongues. Some of it's prophecy. Some of it is, like here, correction. But don't go so overboard. These people got the Spirit. Would y'all back off? Let's let, them, let's let them know what God wants them to know, that they can be filled. And sometimes it's affirmation and encouragement, like Barnabas sticking up for Paul. People who are filled by the Holy Spirit listen to the Holy Spirit, but they also get to, check, get this now, they get to speak the words of God to others. How's he wanting to do that? Look, look at your life just this week. What did you say? If, you look, if I asked you to give me a report of what everything you said to your friends this week, everything you said if you're still working a coworker, if you're married to your spouse or to your kids or to your grandkids, to your TV. Oh, I talk to my TV all the time. What did you speak to your TV? Or to other drivers in Madison who still won't stop at red lights. I'm sorry. My bad. The Spirit has been speaking all week to you so that you could speak for God to others. The Spirit has been speaking all week to us, and He wants us then to be able to be bold enough, careful enough, gentle enough, but faithful enough, discerning enough to be able to speak His Word to our kids, our church, our friends, our family, our co-workers. Listening first, yes. Discerning, yes. But then faithful to speak. It's the pattern of Acts. You just can't miss it. We can't miss it. Peter's filled, he speaks. Agabus filled, prophecy in tongues. Paul's filled, he speaks. Stephen is filled, he speaks. Church, we've been gifted and filled with the Holy Spirit. I continue to need to yield more and more in my life to, to experience more of his filling. But once he fills and he speaks, well, how could it be this week that you and I have the great privilege of allowing God to speak through our lives? He speaks through our attitudes, yes. He speaks through our lives, yes. That's how, matter of fact, that's the only way we earn the right to then speak words that people will actually hear. But how is it with the guys, with the girls? around the coffee pot, out on the boat, with a friend in need, that your words could be God's words. This is the will of God. He wants to fill you. 
This is the work of God in the Spirit. He wants to talk with you. Lead your life. Speak to us. But even just as unimaginable as this is, and he wants us to let our words loose for him, for his grace and for his truth. Let's respond to that. The hymn is 393. Let's stand together as we sing and as we respond.